0: You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week, I wanted to get an absolute powerhouse in the real estate industry these days into the hot seat. It is Michelle Kerr, founder and owner, I guess you call it, of Duet Property Headed out in the Netherlands on Broadway. Michelle, thanks for coming in.
0: My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: You've been an absolute barnstormer of a story, mate. Uh, Your office is beautiful. It's probably the the sexiest office in Perth, I would have thought.
0: Oh, oh, come on. I think it's the sexiest office in Australia. Let's not limit ourselves to WA. It
1: could be, right? And obviously your foundation, that story over the last... What it would just be ticking over three years.
0: Three years this week.
1: Is one that I think everyone needs to listen to, both from a, you know, there's a bunch of real estate agents out there that I think look up to you from afar, probably would never have spoken to you. It would go, wow, what a story. There are a bunch of clients who have had great successes with you and people who are listening along more pertinently, which was why we're actually here today more, is to talk about what's going on with the Western suburbs, what's happened in the last few years through your projects um all of this medium density stuff that's just been such a challenge for people living there, but I guess people are starting to get over it a little bit and start to buy in a little bit more than they were a couple of years ago. It Look, the, the train's rolling regardless of whether people are like it or not, and you're in the thick of it. So, I wanted to have a real chat with you about so many things today, and I really appreciate you coming in.
0: No, my pleasure. Let's
1: do it. We don't normally do this, but I want to do this. Let's talk about duet quickly. What's the point? It's so different in my eyes to how so many other agencies have started up. You brought in some absolute guns of the industry from day one, really. How'd you do it?
0: Well, it actually took me by surprise, to be honest. I, I set up Juwe initially with Obviously, the goal, everyone wants to be successful when they open a business, but my initial drive was to get the office set up how I wanted it to look, to get my systems and processes in place, and then hopefully, fingers crossed, start attracting some good people. And um, And some clients, right? And some clients (laughs) are always great. It really took my breath away how quickly people were drawn to the brand so I made myself a promise that I wouldn't bring anyone on for six months and that I would get everything bedded down and I hadn't even opened my doors when people started approaching me to work for me and I get asked every day you know oh gosh you know how did you manage to poach all these people and the honest truth is I didn't poach anyone they all approached me In the eight years that I had been at my previous agency, I had done a lot of public speaking, a lot of coaching, a lot of talking and a lot of workshops and giving back, I guess, to the industry. And I really had no idea how much of a brand, a personal brand that had built for me already. And I think the attraction to the brand was a reflection of that. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, but at the time, gosh, it had me running on the spot trying to... I didn't even have a sales administrator. I was like, no, no, stop, stop. I can't put you at the desks yet. I don't even have people to support you. So yeah. it happened a lot quicker than I ever imagined.
1: Do a lot of people walk into your office thinking it's a furniture store?
0: Uh Every single week we have to gently tell someone who's stroking some of the furniture or looking at the kitchen cupboards that that we're not a furniture shop. In fact, I had a lady a couple last week that walked in and I asked them three times if I could help them. And in the end she goes, look, you guys are really good at your customer service, but we just like to decide what we want to buy first. <laughs> and I said, look, I'm dreadfully sorry to disappoint you, but we're a real estate business. We're actually not a furniture shop. And she went, uh, lovely shade of scarlet, and I've never seen anyone leave so quickly. But, you know, we have that happen quite often. There's a couple of really well-known Australian manufacturers that make furniture that actually refer people to come and look at furniture in our shop now because, sorry, our office, (laughs) because it is quite a showroom and we've used all Australian designers and furniture manufacturers when we fitted out the business.
1: And that's where I'm going with it is you're probably, for me, the ballsiest real estate agent who's started their own uh, office, in my time at least, most will set up in a very office, centric environment where you've got a very commercial sort of look and everyone accepts that it's very normal right but Absolutely. you've gone no, look let's make this. houses
0: pictures of houses hanging in there the window and that, all that yeah. Yeah. and look there are still some on broadway there that do that.
1: <laughs> something that looks like a country town still but you've gone the other way and gone oh, look i want my office to represent the perfect property that i like to sell i want it to be the the perfect representation this is my expect my view of it at least of exactly the type of houses we want to sell this is how we want to present it's ourselves it's interesting
0: you say that Trent, because the actual driving force for how the business was set up and what it looked like was actually for staff. You know, just from my experience in real estate, I really analysed what I felt was missing for the industry. And, you know, as you know, it's a 24-7 business. People give their heart and their soul. Yes, we at times can earn a very good income, but you really are never not at work. And Mm. it's a very taxing business. And you burn out. And you burn out. And my brief to the architects who did the internal design was... I want my staff to feel like they're coming home when they go to work every day. That was the brief. Mm. And I want them to feel relaxed. I want them to feel nurtured. I want them to feel that there's a number of different zones that they can go and work in and sit in and change I didn't want them to feel they came in sat at a desk, which is...
1: This is your, this is your corner. This yeah, is your pod. absolutely.
0: So, yeah. you know, and that's why we've got the noise cancelling booths. We've got the lounge suite. We've got the kitchen bench. There's so many different places you can go and sit and work and change it up. Mm. And that's really important in a business where you spend so much of your time at work.
1: That's the point. You spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week sometimes at your Sometimes Could be 100. And yeah, if your office is actually nicer than your home, you're probably going to feel more comfortable there. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, we had a... Good Work.
0: I think for the first year that we were open, one of our, because a lot of people don't realise from the story, you've actually got a second story. What do you do there? Uh, that's our projects division.
1: Whoa, probably um, a good little segue, right? It's
0: huge up there. Um, but you know, part of that initially was set up at the beginning when a few of us still had kids that were at primary school. We had it set up there with a PlayStation, bee bags, colouring in books, mm. so that we could bring our kids in after school. If we needed to pop in for half an hour after school to do a contract, There was a really nice space for our kids to be and all the kids have moved on to high school in the last couple of years so that's now gone and it's been expanded into... Projects. Well, I
1: think we're kindred spirits a little bit on that, Michelle. Because in our office here at Strategic, we have the same thing We've got the old Nintendo 64 of mine set up with a big TV That's for the kids. It's a collector's item the, now, the, right? It is, right? <laughs> the the bean bags. Because you're right. A lot of, especially with so many young women back in the workforce or coming into the workforce these days, the kids are there. They're obviously coming into the office, and whether it's if they're popping in on a weekend to do something or they're coming in after school hours because well, they can't be picked up. It's, it's just the dates a reality. As
0: well, and you know, so much time in real estate, we're trying to strike that balance between earning the good money for your family but not forgetting who they are
1: be with your family yeah so your kids
0: get dragged around a lot they get asked to sit a lot while you meet with a client oh i'm just going to do this i'm just going to do that so Mm. i just wanted a space where the kids could feel they were a little bit special as well
1: let's talk about projects you started that up i think last year yes projects has been going
0: for 12 months my background before real estate was pretty heavily in projects and it was something i really wanted to start as soon as the brand was established and last year the brand had been going for two years and it kind of also segued into the fact that in the western suburbs particularly in Dalkeith and Netherlands has been a pretty monumental shift and rezoning which is as you said we were talking about previously has really shaken the area up so it was the perfect time.
1: I don't think anyone else has caught on yet you think there's obviously project offices project sales offices that are more generalist across Perth and they specialize in that area but don't specialize in a location you guys have clearly gone well look let's actually put a Western Suburbs spin on this where we've got that high-end feel for what is a new product that whether people like it or not is coming to market in the Western Suburbs. We're not just going to be that generalist that are used to selling off the plan. We're also going to be used to selling Western Suburbs properties and now we're going to do it off the plan. Well, look,
0: there's two arms to that. First of all, I didn't want to do what most agencies do when they get interested in projects, which is grab a residential salesperson and just layer it on top of them. As you know, it's a very, very specialist Mm. knowledge base selling projects. Just because you're great at selling a family home doesn't mean you've got the skill set to sell projects. I'd go
1: as far as saying you're probably not going to be having a Absolutely. Totally
0: different. So I didn't want to do that. And I thought, just like I do with everything else. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. So we actually set up a separate projects division, which is headed up by Andrea Prindival, who's had a huge background in property projects. She came to us from Blackburn and she's now got two other staff working with her. So she's got uh, my husband and she's also got a full-time dedicated marketing person. So we're not trying to get a very busy residential salesperson to juggle projects. We have actually a separate division. But the second part of that is because we are so prominent in the western suburbs it enables us to offer to our clients an end-to-end solution so mm. you want to go and buy an apartment fantastic well let's get the timing and timeline right i can get a residential salesperson to sell you the apartment and then our projects division will help you on the other side and we'll sort out the the oh, messy in
1: right i guess a lot of people would come to you and say look we're ready to move out of our home we're thinking of an apartment and you'd have, obviously, you then line that sale. Go, look, don't sell now. Let's sell in a year when this one that you actually like is finished and we can line that up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think having a totally separate division that overlaps with us was very wise. I mean, I was just speaking to someone the other day who's a residential salesperson working in projects and they just like, it's blown their mind. And they said, you know, I'll do this once, but I won't do it again. Mm. Because as you know, it's as you just because you can do one doesn't mean you can do the other. Yeah. They're very, very... It's a grind
1: for a lot of people. That Let's talk about that off the plan project market in the Western suburbs. It's obviously fledgling. There's been a raft of R60 townhouses that have been zoned for development that are starting to get built or are starting to hit the market off off the plan just as townhouses. And we've also got a couple of larger apartment complexes that have come on on the marketing side. You're across a couple of them. You're obviously a part of that team there. Do you want to talk to that both specifically with regard to the projects you guys are on, but even also across the market as to how you see that being taken up by local residents?
0: The apartment market in Perth is certainly not as mature as we see it in Melbourne and Sydney. The massive increase we've seen in individual family homes over the last 12 and 24 months has made apartment living and the townhouses far more attractive as people get priced out the market they then start looking for other accommodation within the market. It's a compromise. Absolutely. It's been really interesting as an observer over the last 24 months watching the market develop from people being terrified of development to now embracing it as uh, an opportunity for them to downsize within their own suburb. And You're having to
1: educate a lot of people aren't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Look, and you're looking, you know, traditionally the western suburbs is a very, very conservative market. It's really categorised by, in the main, people who don't want to see a lot of change and, you know, quarter-acre homes have been the standard. But on the other hand, when you're now at the other end of your life, and you want to downsize, if you're not ready for retirement or aged care living, there has really been Nowhere nothing. to go. There's nowhere to go. Absolutely.
1: That's what I've not understood is there's this huge, has been at least at the start, huge militant opposition to change. Whereas these people are smart people. People in the western suburbs, they got there for a reason. They're generally quite smart. Intelligent. 100%. They surely have the, the ability to also pick up, well, geez... If we push back on this, we're not going to have anywhere to live.
0: Look, Trent, the development has been a double-edged sword for some people. So to put it in a simplistic term, the best way of describing the winners and losers are, let's say you're living in the middle of an R60 zone, Trent. You and your wife bought a house. You spent an enormous amount of money. You've put a huge amount of capital investment in the property. You've just had me over. This is pre-zoning. And I'm saying, look, your house is probably worth 2.8, Trent. Fantastic. Great. Your your neighbour next door... They're living in an absolute dump. It's an unrenovated home. It's really block value. Their home probably pre-zoning was probably sitting at 1-4. You're happy. Along comes the zoning. All of a sudden, your neighbour who's done nothing to their home, done nothing to their gardens, has driven you nuts for the last 10 years because their weeds are yay high and mm. it looks like, you know, spooky manor next door. Now, all of a sudden, their unimproved property is now worth $2.2 million to a developer. You get me back in and i go look trent it was 2.8 your home a couple of years ago unfortunately because of the rezoning your house is now worth less Hmm. so it's the great i kind of joke it's the great socialist leveler you know all the value from your house has now been taken off and given to the home next door the problem is if you've got done a significant capital investment in a rezoned area you're probably not looking you're not you're not not getting your money back well and you're not happy Mm. because if you've got three million dollars to spend in the western suburbs as a young family are you now going to come and buy Trent's house in the middle of a rezoned area no you're not because you don't you've got an associated risk with what's going to go on either side of you and behind you and that makes people nervous Mm. so in the advent that you've got an alternative you're going to go and buy that alternative. So that is where the opposition to rezoning has come from, not from the fact of the rezoning and the generation of options for housing. It's actually come from people in beautiful established homes where the underlying value of their property has been significantly affected by the rezoning. And those are the people that have been the most the strongest and the most vertical opponents. And I get that because I've seen it all through Viewway, Kingsway. People have lost massive amounts of money on their homes from what they were two years ago Mm. because of they now have got a five-storey block of apartments getting built behind them.
1: Yeah, it blocks the view or, or overshadowing noise, those sort of things come in. On the other side of the coin, you have a place like Broadway, which is really, it's been neglected for decades. Uh,
0: I've always said Broadway is such a missed opportunity. Every time I've driven down Broadway for years, I've gone, you know, this could be Oxford Street, Leadable. Yeah. This could be Mount Lawley. Broadway
1: Fair is a massive disappointment to me. It needs to be renovated, knocked over, and what you could do with that, you could have a Claremont Quarter there. There is the people, the consumers, the money. If you actually provide it, they will come, right? But there's this continual backward thought process in, in, I think, most people's heads where they say we don't want redevelopment and we're also happy to put up with stuff from the 1960s.
0: Well, so, I mean, I, I've lived in the West Suburbs for a long time. I've, my children are now teenagers. But even now when I go out to eat, there's very few choices for me mm. as a young family and I don't want to go out and disturb a romantic night out for a young couple who are spending their weekly income on a meal with yeah. my boys There's noisy... a kebab store
1: yeah, and, and that's about it. I yeah.
0: have spent a lot of my life at... Broadway fair yeah. and will continue to do so, but there is a real lack of that middle kind of entertainment eating. There's we've got no wine bars really, we've got no
1: just gourmet options. Just no really. gourmet
0: options. And yeah. I, I, I really wonder what the future will be for Broadway though, because as much as we've got the development on the Netherlands side, people still need to remember that the opposite side of it's the road Berth. is City of Perth. Yeah. And, you know, will it force their hand and they'll be forced to do something to go head to head, or you know it still may be a long way off before we see that real regeneration of Broadway.
1: We've seen on the East Coast massive injections, especially at the ultra high end of value where things were worth 10 mil, they've just turned into 25 mil in the Mm -hmm. space of three, four years in Sydney. Uh, Perth's ultra high end uh, space really is around that Dalkeith, Claremont, Peppermint Grove region there. They've been sitting pretty stagnant on the ultra high end values for a while now. I see things starting to move in that space too. Do you do you see the same absolutely, thing happening? There too? People are starting to buy finally again on those $10 million plus values. No,
0: absolutely. And you know, it's interesting cuz people make, you know, global statements about Perth's gone up this much, Perth's gone up that much, and we forget that every single suburb's its own micro market. Exactly
1: right. We always talk about that like this on the podcast.
0: In my previous life, I would always look for the inequities in the market and the things that didn't make sense because that's how I would make money. At the moment, I look at Netherlands, for example, that is almost more expensive than Dal. Actually, I would say it's more expensive than Dalkeith at the moment,
1: which is crazy. Which
0: is crazy, but then you go, well, what does that mean? Does that mean Dow Like, you know, when the market doesn't make sense, it usually has a way of correcting itself. But there's definitely the momentum is still upwards. I've had a couple of sales which I won't, you know, won't go into because of contractual regions over Christmas. But they've sold for prices that I would never have ever imagined. I think any agent at the moment who can be specific about what someone's home is worth is yeah, making it up. out their ass, yeah. Um, because, you know, I mean, I sell the bulk of what sells through, you know, the 6009 region and I clearly have no idea what I'm doing at the moment because, <laughs> um, and I say that quite, honest, quite honestly, because, you know, the I certainly wouldn't want to be putting a limit on what people's price expectations that's why are a lot for their don't. home.
1: That's why a lot don't. They go contact agent expressions of interest. Michelle, where are your buyers coming from at the moment?
0: 30% overest.
1: Oh, we're finding that as well. I can give you a stat that I don't think we put on the podcast. Last year, to be frank, at Strategic, we probably had a dozen or so people inquire with us from Overeast over the space of the year with regards to buyers' agent service things like that. Yeah. We really focus in WA, obviously. We don't advertise at all over there. In the last week, we've had a dozen inquiries for buyers' agents from Overeast in a week this year. It is year, very, it's starting very strong. to strong.
0: And look, you know, the interesting thing is. That these people are making an enormous, enormous capital investment, purchase of what could very well be their biggest asset, sight unseen most of the time. Mm. So, you know, all those ancillary technologies that we use are becoming more and more important because people are, I mean, the thought of spending four, five, six million dollars on a home that you've never walked through, I actually can't see it slowing down at the moment. I was really interested coming into the new year, what kind of momentum we we're going to feel. And I'm feeling a strong momentum at the moment. There's
1: been a tick up, certainly, since the Christmas return the last week or so. I've always been a massive proponent, very vocal about this. Once those borders open, that's the stage two about to start.
0: Well, the interesting conversation I'm having with a lot of eastern states people is we've been told, Michelle, we can work anywhere in Australia now because we're never coming back to the office. And what a lot of people don't realise is in Sydney and Melbourne, 30% of office people are never, ever going to walk back into an office again. COVID has changed the way we live and work forever. Mm. So if you're a high-end executive consultant and you can live anywhere in in Australia once the, the borders open, why would you not live in Perth? Cheaper property, better beaches cheaper private More schools, space for people. better yeah. climate. Yeah. Um, and they go, we'll come live in Perth and I'll fly over east once a
1: month. Look, the same thing's happening in America. I was watching 60 Minutes. I put this up on LinkedIn just this week. Massive droves. They've done a 60 Minutes uh, segment on this. Droves of people are leaving the Chicagos, the San Frans of the world because it's becoming so ridiculous expensive to live. And going and moving to places like Texas, South Carolina, places that are very much fantastic place to live for the lifestyle, but also just because it's re- it's just relatively affordable based on their salary to live.
0: Ben, it's going to be quite a leveler, I think. And I think it's you know there's so much that's happened during COVID. People have rethunk what's important to them, where they want to live, how they want to live. You know, like we've seen a resurgence of people cooking. You know, all those a lot of really grounding things. And those th- homely things, board absolutely, games. Absolutely, absolutely. God, <laughs> I'm just we're just. M- Manically addicted to board games at home Um, But I think that's changed everything And it's it's funny, you know, five years ago They would have said rural Australia was dying Whereas now look where we are It's flourishing
1: Yeah, and I think Perth benefits from that Back in 2007, Adrian Finney bought 8 Bindaring uh, Street in Claremont for $23 million, 3,000 square metres, beautiful mansion of a home. And we're all sitting here with the like that sideways eyes emoji going, what is going on here? That's yes. a lot of money. Yep. They've just put this development up and we're given free plug here for six apartments, two townhouses... Values you know nine and a half to eleven and a half million dollars for these things each. I mean, I can't you can't compete with the view, right up on up there. But that's some Sydney money we're talking about here. Do you have confidence that it's there?
0: Do you know what? I have never ever been more in a position where I couldn't speak specifically to talking prices down. <laughs> I would say, well, it would not surprise me if they all sold hmm. because. The appetite for Perth high-end property for done, for bespoke, for architecturally well-finished homes is incredible at the moment. And people will pay the money if it's done well and it offers a lifestyle solution that they're not getting anywhere
1: else. You know, I think the reason that there's a little bit of nerves about it is because we've had four or five years of a market where we probably... Clearly couldn't support that product coming to the market, so there's not a lot of data to prove that there are people who would pay for that product. Does that does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And look, at, you know, in in all markets, there always is a time where people just have to close their eyes and jump, and trust their gut instinct. And some of you know the, the best fortunes in the world have been made on gut instinct. And I think it's very hard to predict in a in a market that's got this much momentum where it will stop. It will really depend on when our borders are open up, do they open up? But if you look at the price of Perth, Perth property compared to Sydney and Melbourne property and what it buys you comparatively, you know, you can look at those properties on Bindaring and go, well, they still offer excellent value. Imagine if they were in Sydney and Melbourne, mm. what you would be, the price expectations would be.
1: Let's go back to the guys in your team. Susie Costanzo, Craig Gaspar, Susan James. I mean, these are three massive heavy hitters. Emily Hiskins. Emily Hiskins. These guys all clearly sell in areas that most people want to live as well. Places that Susie sells in, for example, Shenton Park, Daglish, they're consistently in that top five of uh, days on market because you can't find a property for starters. Well, you look at
0: uh, Subiaco and Shenton Park, per square metre, it's far more expensive than Nedlands and Dalkeith.
1: And this is where I was going with it, right? You you think about Nedlands, which is where you are the number Mm -hmm. one, uh, I bought my family home in Nedlands on Hillway three years ago. Um, feel pretty proud of that. The timing was fantastic <laughs> uh, uh, because exactly the same thing. You obviously when you're looking at this, you're comparing suburbs. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, what else could I get for my money? And I'm thinking, well, Shenton Park, Douglas, North Perth, West Leadable, all yeah, these you're areas, looking at
0: right? Block sizes. You're going, man. Well, do you know the thing is, for the two years leading up to COVID, Nedlands actually went backwards quite significantly, and a lot Why? of. I have no idea. It was just... And, you know, a lot of times in real estate, you look at the herd mentality and why people decide not to buy in suburbs, and there's no rhyme nor reason. And it's just like, you know, when a market's going up, all of a sudden... It's, do we all subconsciously make the decision that we're not going to pay the price anymore and all of a sudden the market goes down? It's just, It's been really, really unusual and I think part of it at the time for Nedlands was all the arguing that was going on about rezoning.
1: Negative vibes.
0: Yeah, and I think it created uncertainty and, you know, in basic psychology, when human beings are put in an uncertain situation, they'll just avoid it.
1: I would also posit another reason. Just like anything, people like to follow trends. They they there's cool places, there's cool products, right? Absolutely. Netherlands has become less and less cool over time as the the products available on Broadway have become older and older and more dilapidated over time. And that's that's what's frustrated me. It's what's made me uh, really interested to see how we see benefits from the rezoning along there well, especially. If you, look
0: at, you know, like um, Craig Gaspers suburb, predominantly West Wembley and West Lederville. I mean, goodness gracious, like if you're a young family, you are spoilt for choice at yeah. night time.
1: Awesome places, awesome cafes oh, for breakfast, you know, Monsterella for example. pizza, oh
0: yeah. my gosh, you know, I'd pay money just to live next to that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, where I'm going with that is that there's one place that's really benefited. I think there's been a huge shift of money from where it used to always be the Blue Bloods in Nedlands and Dalkeith. And it's the cool place to go is Cottesloe. Oh. All the money has gone from the, where a place where it used to just be a sleepy, quiet place on the beach that was a bit too far to drive from the city. And now now it's the place to be. Yeah, What's going at, on? Look,
0: Cottesloe's really interesting. I think it's one of the suburbs that has the biggest amount of churn, though. Um, there's a lot of people predominantly that invest in Cottesloe. Um, I was very fortunate a number of years back to get a peek at some demographic information that some of the shopping centres use to profile what they stock and how they set up their shelves. And Cottesloe has a very different underlying professional demographic from somewhere like Nedlands and Dalkeith. Nedlands-Dalkeith is predominantly high-earning professionals, doctors, lawyers. I think it's about every anaesthetist in Perth lives in Nedlands or Dalkeith. Well, near
1: the the hospitals, Well, And this is
0: what I'm saying. You know, you've got... Nedlands is driven by... It's the first suburb from the city... It's got Which is be- why
1: I bought there. there.
0: Yeah. 100%. It's got the beach on one side, the river on the other, you've got eight hospitals, you've got UWA, and if your kids are at MLC in Christchurch, you don't need to go down Stirling Highway. Which is a huge thing. And that is the magic of Netherlands. Um, Whereas you look at Cottesloe, people live there for a different reason. And Cottesloe, if you look at the underlying demographic, there's a lot of CFOs, a lot of CEOs of mining companies. There's a lot of stockbrokers, a lot of property developers. Mm. So what you find is if you look at the ups and downs of prices in Cottesloe, there's quite big swings. Whereas Netherlands may not ever have massive spikes in prices, but I would argue that It's it's more stable because... The people that live in those areas, whether where the stock market is going up or down, they don't care. But if you study how the suburbs ebb and flow, like all of a sudden, all the money went out of Nedlands and started going to Shenton Park, Subie, Wembley, West Leedal. Then those prices through competition got driven up to the point where people were going, hold on a sec, this is not good value. And now they've all come back into Nedlands mm. and Nedlands is having a massive run at the moment. Then people will probably look, but you know, the next step, Hypothetically, might be people go, look how cheap Dalkeith looks to- compared to Netherlands. And then all the heat will go out of Netherlands for a little while. And people just go, whereas when people are walking around with, say, a million dollars or two million dollars or whatever their budget is, they literally look around, turn themselves in a 360 degree circle, and go, where is the best bang for my buck? And even if you want to live in a trendy suburb or next to the cafes or the beach, you will go for your lifestyle where is the best bang for your buck. Mm. And that drives these ups and downs that we see in suburbs and where people exiting suburbs. And, you know, I lived for a long time in North Perth and Mount Lawley, and you would watch it happen every couple of years. North Perth would go up and then it would stabilise and then it would go to Mount Lawley. And then it would just, they just play tag team as they go up the property price ladder.
1: Yeah, because they're complementary options. Let's talk back to the rezoning. We're going to have a lot of townhouses come in, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be better quality than any other townhouses some, generally.
0: Some will be, in yep.
1: In most of Perth, right? Mm-hmm. They should be of a higher standard, most of them. Mm-hmm. Who's that going to bring to Netherlands? Will it be a benefit? My perspective is it gets some young families in who couldn't afford to be in before.
0: Well, having sold quite a few townhouses in the area already, it's not who you would expect. Who's coming in? So, I have had families that live in the area purchasing townhouses for investment because if you think you're going to get a lovely townhouse, one and a half million, you're getting good depreciation, incredible rent, you're renting it out for $1,000 a week, $1,200 a week. Wow. And you're getting massive depreciation. It looks pretty good in the portfolio compared to what you're getting in the bank. Yep. I've had older active couples buying into the properties. And They're so, locals? Yep. Yep, and some so it's been very hyper local to date, very very hyper local. We've just sold another couple recently, and one of the someone who just wanted to be close to the hospitals for work reasons. I I've been quite surprised. I would have thought that families would have been the driver, but they haven't been.
1: I was thinking it would be young medical families going. You know what? I've looked at Shenton Park. I can get same or better outcomes nope. on north of it the highway in Netherlands.
0: It's been a very very eclectic mix what i would say though is the bigger townhouses are tending to sell better than the smaller townhouses but you know even like what you know we talked about what your what your money buys if you wanted a brand new house in nedlands at the moment on a quarter acre you are not going to get any change out of half not much change out of five mil on a quarter acre a beautiful designed home you're not going to get much change out of four and a half five mil Mm. so to be able to come in and buy a slightly smaller home albeit on no land you've just got a courtyard but you've got a brand new four by three home you're going to come and buy that for one five one six that's that's looking like excellent buying isn't well, it that's
1: the whole point of median density is to have a very a similar enough living standard and product and just not the land value it's it's the middle ground between the quarter acre and the apartments that and are coming through and you can see
0: really clearly what people like and what they don't like because you can see what's selling if you look around the suburbs there's a few three-level developments. People aren't loving those so much. I just think unless they've got lifts, people would rather, and if you look at the trends for even just normal residential homes, people would rather have less rooms and have rooms that are large. More space, yeah. And more space and higher ceilings. So, great, you can give me a three-level townhouse that's got five bedrooms, but it doesn't feel like it relates. Yeah. You know, traditionally, the Australian mentality is the big single-level home on the quarter-acre block, right? Yep. So, I think the... The further you go away from that in feeling and how the spaces relate, the less desirable it comes for Australians.
1: Apartments. There's a number that are coming up on Broadway, some Mm -hmm. of which seem to be floundering, some of which seem to be doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. There's obviously the one from Hillam on Louise Street that you guys are involved in. What's the feel we're getting some some uptake, or is it still a really an education process um, to well get people in? At
0: the Gardens project is absolutely flying at the moment. I think the guys sold four over the weekend alone, um, and it's not a it's not a low end product. It's a high end product with a reasonably high price tag. What are you paying? You can get into the project for seven hundred thousand. You can get in the project for two and a half million. Depends what you want, but the fit out and the design. And the vibe, dare I call it, of the development is absolutely incredible. I mean, David Hillam is known for bespoke architectural designs with high-end finishings. Um, But that's been really well received by, I think people have got used to it in the surrounding area, but it's been really well received by buyers. I mean, um, my team was only supposed to have um, limited staffing over the last couple of weeks and they've all had to come into work because all of a sudden that project has got its tipping point and it's, it's selling really, really well.
1: Is that hyper-local as well? Or are we getting East Coasters having it's a It's a
0: real mix. Predominantly, it is really, really hyper-local. On top of that, we've got a lot of people from Applecross-Como that are interested to so their... That's op-
1: interesting because they have enough choices there.
0: But what is interesting is why they're coming, okay? They're coming because their kids live over in the Western suburbs, okay? Uh-huh. So they may be, you know, 60s, super healthy, super active, Don't want a small house home, and most of these apartments are very, very generous in their floor plan. But they're sick of driving back and forwards over the river to pick the kids up. Hmm. So they're selling the house that's in Applecross, Como, south of the river, coming over so that they can come and live in the Western suburbs. They don't want to go back into a big home environment, but they want to be close to the kids.
1: Kids will go back to Apple Cross, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, the kids might be going out a lot further than that, the way yeah. the prices are going. <laughs> All the kids might be living in South Geraldton, yeah. the way we're going.
1: Well, that's going up too. Uh, it really is. Yeah. Like, there's
0: nowhere to run.
1: So is that at the expense of the stuff on Broadway?
0: Well, when we look at the gardens, it's such a bespoke product. I don't think there's any offering in the Western suburbs that I've seen yet that is a comparable product. I think the people that want to live at, in the gardens, they're not people that will want to buy the property on Broadway. I think they're an entirely different demographic. I think Broadway I see as being a lot, a lot younger product because Broadway still has that slight stigma attached to them. So I think if you're a young 30-something couple who want to be right on the cusp of everything, be able to walk to the river, bike ride into the city, walk to Kings Park... a couple of cafes downstairs then i think you'll live in broadway
1: last question and i like to ask this of most agents that come in uh if you had the median price of money in your pocket as cash today which street would you buy on what would it be if you could
0: okay so the median house price in nedlands has jumped up from 1.6 to 2.3
1: you buy a bit for that a little bit
0: well it really depends i mean as you know trent nedlands is a massive suburb it's got 4000 houses and it really has what i would consider nine very distinct precincts if i had 2.2 million at the moment if you're going to buy south of the highway that is only going to buy you a block value home
1: so an older bungalow style it's going
0: to it might buy you an older bungalow style <laughs> okay. home it probably won't buy you an r60 zone anymore because that's the prices have gone Past that. So, I think you would probably be better off looking on the other side of the highway. I'm a really big fan of the streets around Hampton Road. And I like, you know, I like Meriwa, Lura. Yeah. Um, it's got a little bit of a Mount Hawthorne feeling does, in there. because the blocks
1: are a little bit more terracey.
0: Absolutely. And I think there's some good value in there. And I think there hasn't been a lot for sale in there. And that pocket's been quite overlooked. And I think there's a, little, a big disparity at the moment between north and south.
1: There is. And if I didn't put a price limit on you, what street would be your favorite one in Nedlands?
0: Oh, look. If
1: You could build your dream home. Where would it be?
0: I love Thomas. Really? Yeah, I really love Thomas Why Street. Why do you love
1: Thomas Street? That's that I I wasn't expecting you to say one right smack bang in the middle.
0: Particularly the top end of Thomas near the park. I just think it the the homes and the streetscape up there is one of my favorite and I, it would be actually a toss up between Thomas and Archdeacon to be honest. Right. They're probably my two favorite streets at that end of the street and I just love the fact that you're close enough to the river that you can be there in 2 seconds but you're not right down on it and I I've got two dogs so for me it would be it's really lifestyle driven you know yeah. I can just bet I can literally don't even have to put my dogs on the leash to go to the park.
1: Bonus question. Do you reckon Chalingsworth will ever get built?
0: Wow. I hope it does. I hope it does because I think it will transform that corner. I think it will eventually grow into getting built because I think what's going to happen on that corner with the Captain Sterling, the Aldi, the Woolworths... That will support it. So you think I that's, think that's the win will.
1: condition? That has to happen first and then Chalingsworth maybe goes?
0: Absolutely. I Look, I mean, and the, that pocket around there now in the duration that we've been waiting for those things to happen is starting to get quite run down. I mean, it was... Um, it was because st-
1: no one's investing in there. No Can one's I give you a bonus bonus? Why isn't that not happening and when will it happen? You've got, got an, got an no, inside I, run?
0: No, I don't. And it's it's probably one of the most best-kept secrets in the Western suburbs. And the council don't give anything away either, no. which, you know, and rightly they shouldn't. Because It's very it's,
1: frustrating, Michelle.
0: It is. Look, I mean... It,
1: it's one of the most underserviced parts of Perth, and it's oh. one of the areas that should be easily
0: well clearly because serviced. you know Woolworths and Aldi have both done their figures to say it's a it's a big win yeah. to put something in there and the area is crying out for it. I mean, I lived in Archdeacon and then Stanley Street for quite a long time, and that little hub down there with the IGA, the chemist, the bakery, it was the was the lifeblood. It was the heart and soul of the area. It's where you <laughs> went to chat to catch up. My kids would ride their bikes, scoot, walk you know, however you got down there and it's gone. Yeah. So it's it's a great loss to the area. And the sooner that the earth gets turned over there and we get on with it, the better.
1: Michelle Kerr from Duet Property. It's been such a fun chat. It's, it's <laughs> It has not run like any other agent chat we've had before. It's been way less structured, but we've just had so much to talk about. That it. it's is been me. <laughs> Thank you for coming in and good luck for 2022.
0: Thank you. You too, Trent. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show.